Hola, guapas, and welcome to the Hola, guapa podcast. For those of you who are new to the show, I'm your host, Nisha Batesh. I'm also the founder and creative at Hola, guapa, a digital community of 10,000 artists from all over the world, a blog, a website, this podcast, and most recently, my very own small batch slow fashion line. On this podcast, we dismantled the limiting stories and stereotypes holding creative entrepreneurs back, and together, we redefine what it truly means to be a successful artist. In 2020, the global pandemic known as COVID-19 hit and affected life as we all knew it. Now jewelry designer Erin Melendez saw this challenge as an opportunity and started her wildly successful business out of an RV as she transitioned from her former career in fashion merchandising and embarked on a new creative journey all her own. In this episode, we talk about what it was like to overcome the challenges she faced as a business owner on the open road, what motivates her to create art that supports self-expression, and how she managed to land a holiday pop-up at Nordstrom's only a few years into launching her new business, Lady Luck Concepts. So whether you're an aspiring small business owner, are curious about jewelry design, or simply looking to feel inspired by Erin's story, then this is the creative conversation for you. And with that, let's get into the show. Hello, hello. (laughs) Well, um, my name is Erin Melendez. I'm the owner of uh, Lady Luck Concepts, which is a, or which it is and may morph into something else. Who knows? Um, it is a um, big energy, small business that specializes in one of a kind, big, bold earrings. And I do mean big. Um, <laughs> uh, oversized is the proper word and term. Um, we also have like um, brand merch, like sweatshirts. Um, eventually I'll be merging into wall art. I mean, all things creative. Um, but I, I started this journey and all of this by accident, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. Take Um, us back to the beginning. The beginning of, well, when everybody started crafting, I want to say before it turns into a actual business, right? Um, It started by accident. My younger sister said that she wanted to try to do earrings together. We were looking for something to kind of fill time. And I told her yes. So I bought everything we needed and we started our earring business together. And then she got a big wig job and my store, I was a visual manager for Nordstrom in Miami and my store was closing. And so I had the option of um, a severance or taking a position as a visual merchandiser. And if you know how expensive Miami is, you can't live with a family of four on a visual merchandiser salary and your husband's salary. It just is not possible. Um, or it is, but it wasn't foreseeable for me. Like I just didn't see how it was gonna work. So I took the severance. My husband and I um, bought a travel trailer. We hit the road and traveled for two years. And I worked on my business in the camper. And oh it my was, God. It was absolutely fun, um, absolutely stressful. <laughs> it was crazy working in such a tight space. Um, but that's just something that, you know, 
I knew I had to keep doing. Like my first drop, I sold out in 15 minutes. Um, and I just kind of feel like, like when the universe is telling you something and a direction to go in, you just go. You know, I never imagined myself um, owning a jewelry brand. I mean, when I was a kid, I made uh, jewelry out of perler beads. Okay. Yeah. Um, I used I used to do custom uh, shoes and custom book bags and shirts. I've always been an artist. My entire family were all artists. So I just kind of went with it. I let it be a creative outlet. I let it be something that helped me through my depression, um, through crazy life situations, through the pandemic. It just kind of everything just kind of poured out and people just really responded well. And I don't know, it just kind of became what it is. And we're kind of rolling with it wherever direction it goes. That is such a wild story. And there's like so many things that I want to touch on there. <laughs> I think first and foremost, major kudos to you for, you know, kind of being hit with a gnarly challenge that you and your husband had to face together. And it sounds like make some decisions for your family. And just to turn that into an opportunity, I think is just a lesson in and of itself. And to keep listening to your gut and your intuition and knowing that you've kind of always had this sense to you about being a maker and using your hands to, you know, try different mediums and landing on um, earrings, which, you know, you said you didn't in initially ever plan to be a jewelry designer, but listening to the feedback and what your audience was telling you, I think is so, so cool. And there's just so many little like nuggets, even within that, you know, summarized version of your story that I think a lot of creatives can really relate to and kind of lean into as a good reminder. I want to, I want to kind of go, I guess, back to the beginning of when you, started posting on Instagram. So you had this career change, you made a decision and you said you bought a bunch of supplies with your sister. Like, did you do research or like, how did you know that it was going to be jewelry? Was it like, how, kind of take us back to that moment and um, let's like dive a little bit deeper because I want to know, like, as you mentioned, there's so many um, jewelry brands and it's when a lot of other designers and creatives kind of started to do the same thing and take that same journey and path but you've yeah. really set yourself apart. And I kind of want to dive a little bit deeper into how you did Thank that. You. Um, it took some time, really. I mean, my sister was the one who basically opened the polymer clay world to me. She was sending me things left and right. Um, as a visual manager, though, my favorite department to work in was accessories and jewelry. So I've always been able to touch, feel, like look at a lot of different makers. I think there is one, um, I think it's called Bobble Bar, which is one that I used to just obsess over. Yeah. And I wasn't, the thing is, is that jewelry for me was never really something that was like, I was super passionate about because there was never anything that stood out to me. Mm -hmm. Like everything. I mean, since I was a kid, I've worn like massive hoops and like yeah. big big earrings, or if I had a statement necklace, it was really a big, bold statement necklace. Um, you know, I, I think it's a staple to have a good pair of gold hoops, small pair of gold hoops. That's like, you know, that's awesome. But I just never found anything that was like, really, okay, dang, I could wear, 
a really easy, you know, white t-shirt and some earrings and it totally sets it apart. Um, and so I kind of just, I realized that there was, I don't want to say niche because I don't want to use the word niche, but there was like a place that was missing in the polymer clay world. And that was like big and bold and it didn't really happen um, at the beginning. Like I was just still trying to figure out, I mean, I was doing very different things than what I was seeing. A lot of, you know, 3D sort of polymer clay um, pieces, trying to push, was putting lavender in clay and, you know, random stuff in clay before it was like a really big thing and just challenging myself. And eventually I just really gained my voice mm -hmm. um, in the polymer clay world and just started challenging myself to not necessarily use like cutters that everyone has access to yeah. or, you know, looking at a lot of art and sculptures and saying like, how could I incorporate this into earrings? How can I make this wearable? How can I, how can like, when you walk down the street and you see a pair of earrings, you're like, those have to be lady luck. Like that has to be, you know, a lady luck pair of earrings. And also, too, I think my business has been not only about, you know, jewelry, but about making people feel special. You know, since I was a kid, I've always loved making people feel beautiful, no matter what they look like. Um, and that's super important to me. And so, you know, when I brought up to my sibling, my sister, I was like, how about we do one of a kind pieces? Like, it never gets replicated. It's just one and done. And she was like, I don't know if that's going to be good for business, but let's do it. And that really helped me find the people that that needed to feel that way. You know what I mean? That needed yeah. to feel like they had something special. And I've I've somewhat changed it a little bit now. Like I do have majority of my pieces are one of a kind, but I do like, because I've gotten tons and tons of dms of like i want that i need that yeah so i let i let my lady luck friends is what i call them i let my lady luck friends decide which pair of earrings out of a collection of like 60 there'll be like one or two that i do made to order and there'll be multiple of them um and probably only like five to ten of that one piece that way like you know, people still still feel special, exclusive, but, you know, they have more of an option to grab the one. And it's usually everybody agrees on the ones that they want. Isn't made that to funny? Order. Yeah. I, I think it's so cool that like hearing your story about how you've kind of developed this aesthetic and style because they truly are so organic and like these little works of art. And even within the marbling and the color selections, all of that, I think, um, you know, each piece still feels unique. And that's something that yeah. has always been really um, important to me and my brand. And I love that you've talked about how it really helped allow you to find your audience and to find yeah. the people who needed your product. Because of course, there's tons of jewelry companies who it's that cookie cutter mold. And you can literally see on Instagram, on the reels and on the process videos, which are beautiful in their own way. But you can see it's yeah. literally a cookie cutter of the same shape being imprinted over and over again. So there's something very um, tangible about the message. And it's very clear, obviously, when you're wearing them, that you're making a statement. And they are these little kind of, you know, works of art that get to 
live up by your face. And like you said, can totally transform. Yeah. Can totally transform an outfit. So I see how you've taken that concept and really turned it into this business model that to your point, you know, it, it may put some people off in regards to, well, can we scale this? Can we grow this? But it sounds like you're so focused on your core mission and message. And that's really why you got invested and started in the brand. It could have been any medium outside of earrings as well. You would have been integral to that message, no matter what you created. A hundred percent. I mean, yes. Is it the wisest thing for the bottom dollar to make one of each piece? Absolutely not. But to the people that truly love this brand and what I have to bring, like it's, it's what makes them feel special. So who am I to say, okay, you know, ultimately you're going to do whatever you want to do for your brand. You're going to have whatever voice you want to develop and whatever message you want to push out there. But in reality, like I always bring it back to that. This business could change, but the message behind it is we'll always say the same. And that's that we're all individual, we're all like when people say the world doesn't revolve around you, actually it does. Like from my perspective, the world revolves around me. Everyone's moving around me. I am special. You are special. You know, my children are unique and special in their own way. Why not have, you know, clothing or earrings that, make them feel like the hottest thing when they leave the house and they know they're the only ones that got it. It's like, I feel like it's like Michael Jordan energy, like maybe not Michael Jordan, but there's some sort of energy in there. That's like, you know, you are special. You're one of a kind because you truly are. We have similarities, but we're all different. So why not celebrate it? You know? Yeah, I love that. And I, I I, feel like I couldn't have said it better myself, but I agree with absolutely like everything that you're saying. Um, was there something, you know, in your childhood or growing up or like, how did you become so passionate about sharing and spreading this message? Um, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I've always been an empath. I mean, I think that's something that is a birthright. It could be good and bad. Um, you know, I'm one of, uh, five children. I'm gonna say five because I think it's five. We don't know. I am also Caribbean. So if you know Jamaicans, you know, Jamaicans, like a hundred percent. Um, but you know, with a lot of siblings, sometimes you can get bunched together, right? Yeah. Whether it's for good or bad. And like, even in my parenting, I feel like, It is super important to identify that each one of your children are different. They need different things from you. Um, As a human being, I'm different than your last relationship or friendship. I deserve for you to look at me with fresh eyes. And I think that my whole life I've kind of, I'm not like a a middle child, but I'm like, I'm like the youngest because I have a blended family, but I'm like the youngest, but yet the middle of the girls, there's like a bunch of different dynamics. And I've always, you know, loved the fact that like, I'm different from my sister. We have very similar voices. Like when we talk, like you kind of can't tell us apart, Um, but we're all so different. I think that's something that should always be celebrated. 
I think it's something that we don't celebrate at all. And I do think because I am biracial, like I was always different, you know, whether or not, you know, I was, you know, either too black to hang out with the white kids or too white to hang out with the black girls. Like that was, or the white girls and the black girls, that was like a thing for me. And I'm like, yeah. why are, why too often do we like condemn people for being different? You know, instead of realizing it, it brings us together and makes us special, like, you know. Absolutely. I think kind of all of those stereotypes, you know, and those blanket statements of lumping people together, like you either have to be this way or that way, or, you know, speaking about coming from a big family and, you know, being somewhere in the middle and trying to identify with, you know, the family unit, but also trying to find your own autonomy and your own individuality. You can see all of that, like coming through in the brand you've built. And I think that it's, it's really, really cool how, you know, a consistent message that, I keep hearing is that you continue to kind of lean into the challenges and see them as opportunities. And, um, you know, in the end, really get to celebrate that. And that is what makes you different. And that's, you know, all of our individual stories is what makes us different. And that's what I'm really passionate about sharing and telling is, you know, the entire creative journey and kind of how you like the transparent um, road to how you got to where you are today. So I think it's really cool that you talk about having a career in an industry that had nothing to do with jewelry design, but yet how that yeah. led to where you are now. And even kind of talking about the evolution of your brand as you continue to move forward. Um, and, you know, being really open-minded to, to where it might lead or where it might go. Do you have any ideas about where you're headed or, or any big visions or are you kind of just going with the flow and, and rolling with it? I think it's helpful for <laughs> other creatives to hear just from like a strategy perspective or like a thought process, you know, like where other creatives are at in their headspace. I would say, I think for me, I pride myself on not focusing. I mean, I have goals, right? Like for me on December 10th, one of my goals is coming true, right? So, well, it's more of like a dream come true for me because I'm having a pop-up in Nordstrom. So after wow. giving Nordstrom the blood, got the chills. <laughs> like it's, it's a huge, like, I mean, I could cry, but I'm not yeah. going to cry. It's a huge moment for me because I totally love the Nordstrom brothers. Yeah. When I tell you I love them, I learned everything about my customer service and and you can ask about 99.9% .9 of my customers um, about my customer service. And I pride myself on that Nordstrom customer service. Um, and I learned a lot from them. So to have my work now be in the store and even my old regional, because um, my husband still works for Nordstrom, he um, came up to him and, and they were talking and they, he asked how I was doing. And he's like, well, she's about to have a pop-up here. And he was like, oh my gosh, that's so exciting. That's so great for her. Like for me, that's, those are one of the things like I envisioned for myself and I made happen. But I think as a brand, like I've never put breaks on opportunities. I've always stood my ground when it comes to things I'm not willing to compromise on um, and how I, how I, sell my art or how I present my art. Um, but I don't, I don't take any cards off the table because like, as you can see, I thought I was going to be in the corporate office for Nordstrom. I thought I was going to be a tattoo artist until I got pregnant with my daughter. 
I and all of these things that I envisioned myself doing, you know, as a kid, I wanted to be a brain surgeon to help people. I don't like blood. Uh, that's not my thing. You know, there's always been a different door. And, you know, I don't look at things that happen as failures. Like, I mean, if something happens with the world and it makes it hard to make earrings, I'm going to kind of go and search how I can use my gifts in another way. I just, I don't allow myself to get stumped by closed doors. You know, I keep, you know, a lot of faith in myself. And I think that kind of keeps me open for wherever this is going to go. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I do. And I feel like that's almost like a, a bit of your magic. And I feel like that is, you know, kind of touching on what we were saying earlier, like you're so um, grounded or like rooted in that core mission and message that again, like you could be selling anything or making anything. It doesn't matter what the medium is or the end product is. It's that message that keeps motivating you and pushing you to just keep saying yes to opportunities that make sense and no to opportunities that don't. And it's funny because I used to work at Nordstrom's too. And so I can totally relate to what you're talking about from that perspective. It, it, it is definitely like a school, like an education in retail and customer service and all the things related to customer service. But I also feel like there's like another kind of just like level of standard that you get and you experience when you work for that brand. And so how cool to now be a part of a pop-up in that shop and like what a full circle moment for you. That is so, so, so exciting. I'm so, I'm like freaking out. I'm so nervous. My husband's like, it's going to be great. I'm like, but my fixtures have to be perfect. My signage has to be perfect because if the visual manager has to come tell me that my signage is not good, (laughs) then I'm going to have a heart attack. I'm like, the pressure is on and I am living for it. I am like, I'm ready. I have uh, custom tables being made for me. It's like, it's a serious next level moment. I'm so excited. Yeah. I mean, that is like something that I think a lot of like designers or artists face is like, you know, when you get presented with an opportunity, it's often not about, you already know what you can accomplish, but now it's like this whole new set of challenges where it's like, okay, how do I find out who's going to make the fixers? Am I going to make it? Am I going to have to contact like a manufacturer? Like, okay, what about signage? Now I need a graphic designer. Do I do it? Or do I, you know, call on somebody else who's better equipped with that skill set to take on that project. So it is really interesting how, you know, as you continue to evolve, again, it becomes like less and less about the actual product that you're selling and more about how you can continue to expand and propel and push that mission forward. Absolutely. I mean, every earring I decided after I first started working, you know, and I had my challenges I didn't know about the best clay to use. And so I had to remake a lot of my customers' earrings in the beginning. And um, that's one of the things, like, if you get something and it is damaged, I'm 100% free of charge. You don't pay for shipping. Like, I'm going to get you your remake out and send you a coupon, like, with it as well. Talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, because I think, like, you know, obviously you're in this place now where you've arrived at like such an 
awesome level of success. And I, I want to talk a little bit more about some of the roadblocks or some of the challenges that you faced along the way. You know, you said kind of coming out of the gate, although it built slowly, like your audience was very responsive to you and you, you incorporated them into that process. So what are some things that you maybe learned along the way that, you know, either you would do differently moving forward, or it was like really important for you to kind of get to that next level to fail in order to succeed? I think it's listening to, you know, the people that are purchasing your work. I mean, like hearing what they're saying to you, like, you know, if they're disappointed, you're disappointed, you know, like, how can I do this better? How can, you know, how can I change your impression? And not that like the world does not revolve around everyone else for you, but like everyone that experiences Um, my energy and what I put out my art like I want them to I want it to open doors for them and so you know there were times where I'm like oh my god I'm so overwhelmed you know like let's talk about the post office losing packages and having them show up like two months later you know and and what can I do to ensure that, you know, this doesn't happen again. And it wasn't actually until recently that I, you know, I spoke to some of my Lady Luck friends and we talked about, okay, like insurance has to be, and if you buy, you know, priority shipping that comes included, but like insurance needs to be a thing because, you know, money does not grow on trees, you know, it doesn't grow on trees in your backyard, you know, like this is someone's dollar you know, and we, as makers, as creators, like, we have to continue to maintain, like, a gratefulness with people. So when you get hit with roadblocks left and right, it can be very defeating. um, But you have to use those things as lessons, right? Like how to be better. Um, There were lots of broken earrings, Um, lots of manufacturing, like the backs of my earrings, some of them would fall off. So now I'm like really tedious about trying to like check each back when it goes on the earring, um, to make sure it has enough grip or, you know, trying out new products. I mean, and also sharing feedback with people that I buy stuff from is like, that's so super important Too often. We kind of just like chuck it to the wind, right? You know, it's it's not fair to the person spending their hard-earned money. You know, um, you know, there was challenges with being in an RV. Like my first year of business, year and a half of business, I didn't have any space to put packaging. And so I would have to Amazon my packaging every time we stopped somewhere. So I was in Louisiana. And getting, you know, packages sent to the state RV park that we were hanging out at. And we had to, like, spend extra money. Like, my overhead was a lot higher because I couldn't order things in bulk. And that was one of the challenges that was, like, a struggle because, you know, I think with inflation and with how things go in that sense, like, do you charge the people more or do you take a bigger cut? And I feel like there that has to be a decision that you make. Yes, you know, w- when my earrings got bigger, my prices got more expensive, right? Um, 
but I tried to always like, I'll take the L. I'm not going to have my customers suffer because, you know, I'm try I'm traveling all over the country. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that overhead thing was, was a big deal for us, but we've, we've kind of like, I have a great support system. Um, and again, like you have to talk to your customers. You have to let them give you feedback and tell you when, all right, girl, you're slipping up. Like you're not paying attention, you know, and it, it hurts. You cry about it because you, you're pouring your love into these things, but you got to hear it sometimes, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think there's probably like no better lesson when you're first starting, you know, and the way that you started is so interesting and so unique. Obviously, starting out, an, out of an RV, you had an entire different set of challenges. But I think continuing to just listen and take in that feedback. And I know you also mentioned like even, you know, giving that feedback to other makers that you purchase from and how important that is. And talking about like, you know, when you purchase from a small business or a maker or an artist versus like a larger corporation, you truly are purchasing from the hands and the heart, you know, and the mind yeah. of, of an artist. And so I think that there's this other level of sustainability that I like talking about where it's not necessarily like, you know, are the materials hundred percent sustainable, but also like just purchasing with purpose and purchasing from yes. artists and purchasing pieces of art that you plan to have with you or hand down to your kids or talk about or conversation starters. And I think that oftentimes fashion, you know, trends, like we talked about the polymer clay earring trend, it can be seen as something that you purchase and throw away. But I think what's really yeah. cool about the message that you're putting out there, you know, sustainably in your own way is this is a piece that you want to live with the consumer for a long time. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's also too why I don't have so much inventory on hand. Right. I mean, it's one of the big reasons why I do made to order because yeah. I mean, polymer clay is a form of a plastic, right? Mm -hmm. um, all the plastic that comes off the wrappers. I mean, it can be, I mean, you could be extremely wasteful. I use a lot of my scrap clay to make my mixed prints. Like it's very easy to become extremely wasteful with, with a business like this. And we have to do better. I mean, I don't know how else or what else people need to see for them to realize that like, we have to do better. Yeah. You know, we have, we have to be, you know, a hundred percent considerate or not even considerate aware when we're purchasing something, you know, like, is this something that you know, and it's also, too, why I don't do a lot of holiday, you know. I mean, I love, like, the snowman earrings, and I love the stuff that, like, is super, you know, quirky and cute. Yeah. But that's going to be something that someone can wear once, once a year. Mm -hmm. um, and I just feel like it takes up space. I am a big lover of, you know taking stuff to thrift stores or yes. repurposing like that is, I mean, you can ask my kids, I don't buy them. I mean, they each have, and we kind of did this for the RV as well. They each have like four bins, little Ikea baskets of toys. Mm -hmm. You know, they have a dollhouse, but we give away like every year for their birthday or Christmas, like 
and we mainly do experiences, right? Like memories, Yeah, um, I outings love that. and stuff like that, because all of that stuff goes to waste. I mean, Yep. I can't count the number of times my mom used to come into my sister and I's room with a garbage bag and just Yeah. be like, I'm done with Yeah. it being this messy. Everything's going in the trash. And you look at all of those dollars wasted that, I mean, there's children that would die for those things. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yep. I, I don't know what we need to do, though. It's definitely an important message. And I think it's, um, I don't know, I think often we talk about like a lot of the manufacturing um, efforts in regards to sustainability or going green. Um, but I think that it is the other side of it that's really important is to talk about, you know, how we purchase and the decisions that we make and our intention behind them. Um, so I think Absolutely. it's really cool that you're promoting that message as well. Um, as we wrap up here, what is one um, or what is something that you would like maybe the world or, um, you know, your audience on social media or even the Ola Guapa audience who might just be um, introduced to you for the first time? What is something that you would like them to know about you, your brand, um, any kind of message or inspiring thought that you'd like to kind of leave us with? Um, I would say, you know, really take the time to find your peace, take the time for yourself and everything you do, but also really invest in relationship. Whether you have a business and you're struggling, reach out to somebody. I mean, I think what social media has done for the good is uh, made it really easy for people to just have conversations like we are now um, and to like take stuff from each other and learn from each other. But I also think sometimes it takes away from that and people think, oh, because I'm seeing what these people are doing, I don't need to reach out to them. But take the time because you can learn so much from people who have done it or there's things that you can share that they may not know. Like, don't don't worry about if somebody else is doing it already. Like Yeah. they're not you, Yep. you know, and my biggest, like the thing I, I live by in my quote is like, there is only one you Yep. like, yes, you have children and they become spawns of you there. It's crazy and humbling, but there is only one you and you have something to give the world and the world has something to give you back and to be open to all of that. I love that. Yeah. And just so the audience does know, like I reached out to you on Instagram, you know, fell in love with your brand and started following you and just popped into your DMs. So like now we're here having this conversation and hopefully this conversation gets shared and other people can take what they need from it. Um, but I do think it's such a good point where it's like, you know, often we we can talk about the negative side of social media, but it is really important to touch on the positive side too and how, you know, you Absolutely. can create human connection. It's just how you choose to look at it and how you choose to utilize it. I mean, yeah, we're friends now. <laughs> <laughs> like we're friends, yes. we're friends now. If you ever need anything, I mean, that's the thing, like be open, continue to spread positivity because this right here, this is two business owners lifting each other up. I mean, that's Absolutely. really what it is. Yeah. If we don't, if we don't do more of this, if we're too worried about, oh, do they have enough followers or, Right. you know, stuff like that. Like I have friends that are makers that may not have the same follower count that I do, or they have a way a lot more than I do, but that doesn't mean we can't like give and take from each other. You know, we can't lift each other up, like find somebody to do that with, you know, it's really important. 
I- Thank you so much for listening to the Ola Guapa podcast. I hope you gained as much value and inspiration from today's episode as I did. If you love what you heard, please make sure you rate and review this episode wherever you're listening. It really helps to spread episodes like this one to other creatives looking for their daily dose of inspiration, and I would be forever grateful. But before we go, make sure you head to olaguapa.com to discover my very own passion project, Guapa, a small batch, slow fashion line. Each piece from the collection is artist-made in San Diego, California, and designed to inspire your next creative adventure. Swim, sweat, street, or studio. With that, have a beautiful week, Guapas, and as always, sending you tons of inspiration and lots and lots of love.